Sinai Missionary Baptist Church podcast where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Good morning, family. This is Pastor Thomas. It is Sunday morning, April 26. This is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, A couple of things that I'm celebrating today. Today is my mother's 73rd birthday, uh, Elma Jean Thomas. I am uh, thankful to be the second born to she and my late father, Robert Earl Thomas. And uh, I'm wishing my mother a happy birthday today and uh, as she turns the ripe uh, age of 73. But then also I want to celebrate today, this afternoon we would have celebrated our uh, ushers and first aiders annual day. And we were looking forward to the fellowship. Dr. Munford was coming out from the great city of Riverside. Uh, He and the uh, family out there, and they were going to celebrate with us as well as our local sister churches. Uh, But of course, because of COVID-19, that celebration has been canceled. But we want our ushers, Sister Rita Harris, president of our usher board, and all of the ushers who serve at Mount Sinai, as well as our first aiders, to know how much we appreciate you. Uh, We thank God for you and the service in which you render unto the house of God, uh, and more importantly, that you render for the service of God's people. Amen. And we pray today that God is keeping you in good spirits and in good health. Uh, And at some point down the road, we pray even this year, in the year of 2020, that we will have an opportunity to formally celebrate you and to thank you for all you do for the Mount Sinai family. Listen, for those of you who are listening abroad, we want to continue to reiterate unto you how much we appreciate you tuning in to this podcast. I know that it's difficult for many of you because this ought not to take the place of church, but uh, if you're being fed, which we believe you are, and if you feel connected, which we believe you do, because you continue to tune in, we want you to know how much we appreciate you. Those of you who are saved, we thank God for your service unto him. Those of you who may not be saved, but something within this podcast continues to pique your curiosity. Uh, We pray that the word of God would convict your heart and your mind that at some point uh, here in the very near future, you would call upon the name of the Lord uh, in order that you might be saved. Family, today we don't uh, have a lot of time. We want to rush to the things of God, to the word of God. Uh, But of course, we want to be mindful of those who are sick and shut in. We added uh, two people uh, to our sick and shut in list this week. Sister Kathleen Overturf, who's going through treatment. And of course, we're praying for Dr. Virginia Long. We ask that you all continue to pray for them as well. And then, of course, the other folk that are on the sick and shut in, Sister Evelyn Mitchell, uh, Brother James Ridgeway. Uh, There are a couple of others. I can't remember all the names. Please forgive me. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, But I know that God is able. Uh, that he's able, Sister Talia White, that he's able uh, to heal you from the affliction in which you currently face uh, and to bring you back into the fold. That's the God that we serve. We don't know if he will, but we do know he's able. Amen. And we rest on the fact that we know he's able. Uh, Listen, family, today, before we get to the word of God, we want to open up in prayer Uh, for those of you who are going through, who are struggling, who are suffering in the midst of this process. We want you to know that God is uh, with you uh, and that we're with you in spite of the fact that we're separated physically, spiritually, we are still joined together at the hip. 
Amen, as they say. Let us pray. God, we thank and praise. We bless you for your blessings upon us. And God, as we enter into another day, we are thankful for the sun that's shining this morning. We're thankful, Lord God, for the way that you've blessed us and kept us. We're thankful, Lord, to have use of extremities. And though there may be some pain and some discomfort uh, in the body of your people, Lord God, we pray that you have spared us one more time. We ask a blessing upon the sick and the shut-in, Lord God. We ask that you would touch them in the midst of their members, Lord God, the members of their body, their physical body, Lord. We pray that you would heal where healing is needed, Lord God. Comfort where comfort is needed, Lord. And we ask that you would uh, reassure them uh, that you have not left them or forsaken them even now. But we pray all of it be done according to your will, according to your purpose, and according to to your plan. Today, God, as we prepare our hearts and our minds for your word, we pray that you would literally soften, break up the fallow ground of our hearts that we might receive what thus saith the Lord today. We pray that we would hide your word in our hearts that we may not sin against thee, God. And we proclaim and profess even now that we know after we receive this word, we're going to be the better for it. Now, God, as always, we're in your care. Continue to have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Family, if you would, grab your Bibles and get to the gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And there is a word from the Lord there, specifically beginning at verse 40. Verse 40 going to read uh, five verses for you, beginning at verse 40 through verse 44. But for those of you who are Bible students, you would understand that the entirety of this story that's beginning at verse 40 goes down through verse 56, verse 56. Yet we're only going to deal with uh, verse 40 through verse 44. And here's what the word of God says. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And it says, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus's feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. Finally, verse 44, came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood staunched. From those verses, I'd like to use as a theme this morning, as a focal point of our attention, adamant faith that apprehends the attention of God. Adamant faith that apprehends the attention of God. I could have very easily entitled this lesson today, bold and unyielding confidence needed to receive God's 
kindness, but it did not sound as appealing to me as adamant faith that apprehends the attention of God. There will be times in your life when you will encounter situations or circumstances, and please notice I said both in plurality, situations and circumstances that will leave you trapped in a corner with no way out. You will essentially be as helpless as a turtle that somehow has wound up on its back. If you've ever witnessed a turtle in this condition, you will immediately observe a sense of desperation. For if the turtle is unable to right themselves, the prospect of death is evident. Many of us have already faced situations like this in our lifetime. Our situation may have been in the vein of serious health problems, in the vein of a financial catastrophe, in the vein of conflict with another person or persons that seemed unresolvable, or even in the vein of a death of a loved one. Hapless situations like these can leave you feeling helpless and hopeless. What do you do when your problems are bigger than the width of your belief system, when the depths of desperation have plunged you so deep into despair that you are fighting and kicking to get back to the surface of normality. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed by the circumstance that causes you to feel like you are stranded on a deserted island by yourself and no one can hear your screams for help? Despair not, family, for there is an answer for your dilemma. You can do what these two people did in this portion of Luke chapter eight. You can have adamant faith that apprehends the attention of God. In these two stories, adamant faith turned the tables for some hurting people. Faith family is critical and it is a critical component in the survival apparatus of the believer. Faith, the word in the Greek, pistis, it simply means to win over or persuade. Subjectively, it means a firm persuasion or conviction. It is a belief in the truth. Objectively, it means that which is believed a doctrine or articles of faith. And without it, it what? Faith, it is impossible to please God. God takes no pleasure in those who lack or fail to exhibit faith. However, in Luke chapter eight, we see the profound display of faith from two individuals that are as ordinary as you and I. Both come to Christ, one on behalf of a loved one and the other on behalf of themselves. Both are desperate, both are at their wit's end, and both realize that Jesus is the only answer to their predicament. 
And if I can parenthetically digress for a moment, I want you to know that Jesus is the only answer to your predicament, family. Uh, no matter what it is you're facing, he has the answer for your problems. Let's just walk the text. There's only a few verses. Let's just walk the text and see what it is that God has for us today in order that we might learn to have adamant faith that apprehends the attention of God. The first thing I see there in verses 40 through 42, 40 through 42, I see the ruler and his request. I see the ruler and his request. The Bible says that it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, amen, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue and fell down at Jesus's feet and besought him that he would come into his house. Verse 42, for he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. Jesus has returned from a place where the people had told him to get out of. Verse 40 tells us that the people are excited to see him again. Keep in mind the story prior to this, the same people were upset about all the pigs drowning in the Sea of Galilee when Jesus had cast out a legion of demons. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, the people were thrilled to have him home. The Bible says they gladly received the Lord because they were waiting for him, looking for or expecting him with great anticipation. And I can't speak for you, but I can tell you for myself, whenever I have an opportunity to be in the presence of God, uh, he is gladly received by me. Uh, I am waiting with great anticipation. I'm excited. I'm expecting that God would come uh, or that I could come into his presence uh, and enjoy the fellowship with him. They were excited to see Jesus. One man especially wanted to see the Lord. His name was Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue. This well-respected man humbled himself and fell at the feet of Jesus in front of all of these people. He pleaded with Jesus to come to his house because his 12-year-old daughter was dying. Whether you have children or not, this is a very relatable scenario because technically you can glean from this situation the anguish in which Jairus must feel because of his love for his daughter. Have you ever fell on your face, prostate before God? for the care and consideration of someone you love. Seeing anyone struggle with poor health is heart-wrenching. However, if poor health drives a person to the feet of Jesus, the trial is really a blessing. The illness of Jairus' daughter drove him to seek out Jesus Christ. Jairus' situation illustrates the blessings that can come from our afflictions. 
They can overwhelm us, but they can also draw us close to God. This is the manifestation conceptually as it relates to it hurt me, but it helped me. <laughs> Jairus did not take into consideration the crowd because all his attention was centered on Christ. When you have adamant faith, you're not concerned about what anyone thinks or says about you because your focus is entirely on the Lord and what he thinks. Jairus' situation was dire, yet he had adamant faith in Christ to heal his daughter. And as Jesus began his journey to the house of Jairus, the people thronged the Lord. This word throng is from the word supernigo, which means to press around someone so as to almost suffocate them. This was a sardine situation. If you were stuck in the mob of these people, you would have had difficulty breathing because of the pushing and the shoving of the crowd. Yes, trials can be traumatic family. But remember, as the psalmist stated, our problems can also draw us closer to the Lord. The psalm, Psalms 119.67 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Yeah, before I went through some stuff, I had a tendency uh, to be wayward, to be foolish, to be bent in my character. But now that I've gone through some stuff and I know what it's like to be out there without God's hand leading and guiding and directing me, I know better now to keep the word of God. Psalm 119.71 says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Yeah, the, the more stuff I went through, the more I dug into the word of God and the more I depended on the word of God. And therefore, I learned more of his statutes because of the heat, because of the fiery trials in which I was going through. The main purpose of any affliction is that God should be glorified in the midst of it that God allows trials to come in our lives in order to work some things out of us in order that we would more clearly see who God is and what God does. Cries initially of agony, cries initially of pain, cries initially of the fact that we feel forsaken will eventually turn into cries of joy and shouts of jubilation because you realize that if it had not been, for the Lord who was on our side, where would we be? That puts a whole new perspective on trials. John tells us this in John chapter nine, verse three, Jesus answered, neither have this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Yeah, yeah, sometimes God will allow some things to happen in your life in order to bring attention to himself. <laughs> that, that's hard to, to deal with. It's hard to fathom. Yeah, it's beyond human comprehension, but it is the way that our God operates. It is the way that he moves, and therefore there's blessing in it. 
there's more to this story, but unfortunately, and fortunately, in the midst of it, there's an interruption. But first of all, can you see the ruler and his request, the ruler and his request? But here's the second part of this story. It begins, it picks up in verse 43 and 44. The Bible says, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which has been all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood staunched. Yeah, yeah. Not only do I see the ruler and his request, but I also see the requirement of her resolve the requirements of her resolve. Yeah, it's, it's a story about a man and it's a story about a woman. Neither one of them, apparently, based on what we know of the story, neither one of them know each other and yet both of them come simultaneously with issues, one dealing with a child and one dealing with the physical ailment of this woman, both desiring the full attention of the master. Hmm. This is, to say the least, a very chaotic situation. There's already one crisis that Jesus is on his way to deal with, and another crisis appears in the midst of it. The flow of the crowd has already been interrupted by one emergency, but now there's a new calamity. There's a woman with a health issue, and for 12 years, she has dealt with an issue of blood. The phrase issue of blood, the word for it in the Greek is where we get our English word hemorrhage. Yeah, hemorrhage. She has a serious bleeding problem that is related, let's be grown, we're grown folk, let's be grown, to her menstrual cycle. This would leave her physically weak in pain, and embarrassed due to this condition. The disgrace in the condition came from the fact that this woman's physical ailment made her ceremonially unclean according to Israel's laws as recorded in the book of Leviticus, specifically chapter 15. This situation culturally made her inaccessible and isolated. Being unclean would prevent her from participating in the worship ceremonies at the temple. She would be restricted from the synagogue as well. Spiritually and socially, she was an outcast. She was absolutely shut off from the worship of God and from the fellowship of others, including other women. Wow. She should not even have been in the crowd surrounding Jesus, for if they had known, they would proclaim that she was infecting others with her uncleanness. In the truest sense of the statement, she was desperately eager to try anything and everything which might rescue her from her life of isolation and humiliation. But the Bible tells us in the gospel according to Mark, that she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was nothing better, but rather grew worse. That's in Mark chapter 5, verse 
26. Not only did the doctors not help her, but they caused her to suffer even more. But this desperate, debilitating, and destitute woman had adamant faith in Christ. She was determined to get to Jesus, though weakened in strength and hindered in her movement. With the Levitical rules ordering her separation from society, she is taking a risk of being caught up in societal laws that would deem her actions as disrespectful and selfish, to say the least. But let me tell you something, fam, when you're desperate, my God, you don't care what people say about you. You only care what God knows about you. You can call me disrespectful. I didn't mean to shout so loud that it was disruptive to your hearing. But the fact of the matter is I've been shouting by myself for months and weeks and years trying to get before the presence of God. And now that I'm in his presence, I'm not going to allow you or anybody else to stop me from getting what I desperately need. This would result if they had caught her in her being exposed and removed from the crowd. But she was willing to take her chances in her desperate desire to reach Jesus. By faith, she believed if she could just touch the hem of his garment, then maybe, perhaps, possibly, she would be made whole. Desperate situations and circumstances call for desperate measure. Whatever it takes, I've got to get in the presence of God. Whatever it takes, I've got to make sure he knows my situation. Whatever it takes, I've got to make sure the throne room of heaven is aware of my complaint and my condition. You in a desperate, debilitating, and destitute situation, it will cause your faith to morph and adapt and extend itself to the only one who's capable of solving your situation, and that is God. Yeah, can, can you see the, the requirements of her resolve? Can you see the requirements of her resolve? She pressed her way through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says she was immediately instantly healed. My God, what a reminder to us that we find deliverance and healing through the word of God. We're able to find victory over impossible addictions by yielding to Christ and his lordship over our lives. We belong to him. The speediness of the cure emphasizes the greatness of Christ's power. Listen to me, family. Jesus did in an instant what many doctors could not do in 12 years. Ooh, my God. He did in an instant, in a moment of time. What they couldn't do with all of their genius, with all of their learning, they couldn't do in 12 years. He did in a moment. Jesus was heading to Jairus' home to see his sick 12-year-old daughter. And on his way, the woman with the issue of blood touched the Lord, she was healed. While all this is taking place, evidently the daughter died. 
Someone came to Jairus and told him she was dead and it was no use in bringing Jesus to the house now. He was not to trouble or to annoy the Lord because it was already too late. Family, listen to me today. Somebody has tried to convince you it's too late for God to turn your situation around. People, unfortunately, even today, adopt that same type of attitude when they feel there's no solution to their problems, when they don't feel like God can do anything for them. They feel, why even bother praying about it? It is in these times, especially, we must have adamant faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and rest not on him, but in him. Hmm. When you have adamant faith, you are aware of Psalm 46 and 11, where the Bible says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Jesus tells this hurting father that everything is going to be okay. <laughs> Can you imagine if you're able to see it in your spiritual imagination? The man has to be devastated. He was already despondent and disenchanted when he came to Christ because of the initial condition of his daughter. The writing for whatever was going on was already on the wall. And he believed that if Jesus did not come in a hurry to heal his daughter, that his daughter was going to die. Yeah, and what's interesting in the story, one can almost assume, but not so much, that if Jesus had not been stopped by the woman with the issue of blood, and engaged in the conversation with her and the crowd of who touched me and had her publicly admit it was her, if Jesus hadn't stopped for a moment to deal with them, there's a possibility he'd have got to the house in time, perhaps, and healed my daughter. All of this has to be running and competing for the mind share of Jairus, and Jesus has the audacity to say to him, it's going to be okay. In other words, don't worry about it. I got your back. The tense of the phrase fear not means the Lord forbids Jairus to not be afraid anymore, but to believe in him and his daughter would be made whole. That's what the Bible says in verse 50. That's what the Bible says. It says fear not, your daughter's gonna be made whole. In other words, if you can believe in Christ and believe that God is who he says he is, he says, I'm about to flip the script. I'm about to turn this thing around. Jesus gets to the house and the long story short, I wish I had time to break it down to you in the details. I would encourage you during your time of devotion, your time of intimacy with God, that you would go back and read the story in its entirety. But the fact of the matter is, the Reader's Digest version, Jesus raised her back up from the dead. Yeah, he, he, he did that. He did that. He brought her back to life. Can you see family? Jesus was and is the only answer to your predicament. Can, can't you see that he's the only answer? I don't care what anybody else says. I'm telling you, if you can get a hold of him, if you can get his attention by way of your faith, I'm telling you, he can turn it around. 
the first thing I see in the story family is the ruler and his request. The ruler and his request. The ruler and his request. He was willing to make a spectacle of himself. Hmm. If I have to make myself appear foolish before men to ensure that I am faithful before God, so be it. The first thing I see is the ruler and his request. How can you expect God to meet you at the point of your need when you're not even willing to go before him? Hmm. The ruler and his request. But the second thing I see is the requirements of her resolve. Yeah, don't quit family. Don't give up. Jesus has the power to change your situation. And peep this, it matters not how long the storm has lasted. Just remember our God has the power to calm the storm. His faith was exhibited publicly. Yeah, yeah, he came before Christ and before the crowds and he fell at the feet of Christ and said, Lord, my daughter is sick and, and I need you to come because if you come to her, I believe you can heal her from this affliction. Yeah, that, that's the Leo Thomas translation of, of the scripture. His faith was exhibited publicly, but her faith was exhibited somewhat privately. Yeah, yeah, it's privately. Because she snuck through the crowd. Yeah, yeah, she she had to get down and, and crawl. She, she was embarrassed. Her situation caused her not to publicly profess the condition, but in her heart, Jesus was able to feel when she touched the hem of his garment, exactly what her faith was saying unto him. Yeah, his was publicly, but hers was privately, but nonetheless, they both had adamant faith that apprehended the attention of God. <laughs> yeah, remember family, in the midst of the storms of life, Jesus had not lost control of the situation. He is in total control, even in those situations which seem to be devastating and hopeless. When life seems to be falling apart, an adamant faith in Christ will keep you in church. An adamant faith in Christ will keep you in the word of God. And an adamant faith will keep you praying. Family, we need to realize that there will be times the Lord will come through for you right at the last moment. At other times, he will be with you as you go through the trial or the storm in order to work in your life and the lives of others. In either case, he does it in order that he would be glorified. Listen, family, an adamant faith that apprehended the attention of God. My goodness, that's a word. That's a word for today. I receive that word. I don't know if you do, but I receive that word. Listen, family, we are out of 
time. We're never out of message. We're never out of message. But listen, we want to be respectful of your time. We appreciate you tuning in to the podcast today. And listen, keep in mind in this 2020 experience, which we're in the midst of, God will be glorified. Family, we love you. God bless you. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged and inspired your heart during this difficult time. I pray that you are being strong and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. If you do not feel comfortable by sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, you can feel free to send a money order or a check or a cashier's check to the church. Uh, attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Haley, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries, we want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching and God-fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Family, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified. Oh, 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 oh,